Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, Amen. to feel His presence. We have a lot of people out, I think, on vacation. Some of them back, but uh, nevertheless, you're here, and uh, we do want to wish our mothers happy Mother's Day, and Jonathan certainly is right what he said about mothers. Uh, it's not any of you here today, sitting here listening to me, you're here because of a mother. That's it. And I'm going to try to show you a little bit today that what a great part our mothers play. They don't give, we don't give them very much attention, but they play a great part in our lives and, uh, and in this world. As I said, whether you recognize it or not, the vehicle of life and our blessings come through our mother. I had a wonderful mother. I'm not going to get to talking about her because you wouldn't hear me say anything but that. But she was a great and wonderful mother, and she taught us right. And there's times when I'd come in, and I might have been down there fighting, throwing rocks or something, and she'd be in the back room praying and calling my name in prayer. And I'd feel about that high, and I'd slip back out of the house. And, uh, but that's the kind of mother I had. And that, we've got a lot of mothers that pray for their family. Pray for their children. That's very, that's very important. There's an old secular saying that says, The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I know that's not 100%, but the meaning of it is that mothers who take care of their children are going to have a position in life and especially in Christ. Uh, the task of Mothers raising children is uh, more difficult every generation. I, I, I guess I would probably look at things knowing the past and seeing what the future seems to be. I don't know whether I would want them to bring any children in this world, but thank God that there's mothers that has that desire to want to keep children coming into this world. Genesis 3 and 20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because, I want you to listen now, because she was the mother of all living. I want you to, this is kind of going to be uh, uh, brought out several times, but uh, we're here today because we have our mother. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and 12, For as a woman is of a man, even so is man also by woman, but all things of God. Every person today here, because their mother travailed, listen, in reality, they went through the pains of death. Many mothers have lost their lives bringing children into this world. But I personally have never heard any mother complain about the birth of a child because when they get that child in their hands and they go through all that, this is what I'm told, that all the sorrow goes away until about 15 or 14 and <laughs> somewhere like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, in Genesis 17, 15 through 16, it says, And God said to Abraham, As far as Sarai thy wife, thy shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and I will give thee a son also of her, Yea, I will bless her, and I want you to listen, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of people shall be of her. 
I just, you know, sometime in church we kind of put the, the women in the second category of everything, and I know there's churches that don't even let women speak or talk or sing or preach or do anything. I thank God we're, we're not that way, but what reason I don't know because I want to tell you, God chose a woman, amen, to be the, over the nations, produce ma- nations, and, and kings come from them. Now, first I want to say that good mothers do not guarantee good children. Amen. Not a, it's not always the case. That's why I said mothers can make a difference. And mothers do make a difference. Sometimes mothers want to blame their self when their children go bad. My mother had three. My sister I know is in heaven. I'm planning on being there, but I don't know about my brother. I hope, I pray that he gave his heart right to God before he died. Me and him had talked about it. But you know, all you can do is tell children and re- uh, right and, and, and teach them right and tell them right. Then when we become adults, then it becomes our responsibility. And uh, I was reading in the book of Kings, I noticed that many times it's mentioned that mothers are the new king, mostly are the good kings that Sometimes uh, 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 develop the good and the bad, which indicates to me that influence of the mother can have on the child. Now, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit. Just give me a few minutes. Uh, for instance, in 1 Kings 15, there talks about two different kings. One name was Abijam, and uh, he ruled for about three years, and he was a bad king. And then he had a brother named Asa, from the same mother, and he was a good king, and he reigned 41 years. In fact, the Bible just about says he's about the best one of them, all of them, what he did. So you're going to have some bad children, and you're going to have some good children, but I'm going to tell you something, mothers, you have the greatest influence on your children to do good. Can you say amen to that? Uh we could go through the Bible and we could find a lot of good things about kings and why they fell and why they didn't fall. But I want to start with a good mother and a good man, and his name was Moses. And Jechabed, I guess that's the way you pronounce her name. Uh, my wife must be laughing. It might not be the way you pronounce it. Is it Jacobed? Whatever. (laughs) But they were in a time when they were slaves in Egypt. And the king, the pharaoh of Egypt, decided they'd been there almost 400 years, and the Israelites were outnumbering uh, the Egyptians. And he put out a degree that he, that he wanted all the newborn bell, baby boys killed immediately when they were born, thrown into the river. That's, that's the devil's way he does things. But there's one mother, and she didn't do that. I could only imagine how hard it would be to have a boy and somebody take that child from you and cast it into, into the to sea and kill it. 
Jochebed, she got her a plan up, and it worked very well. She took the baby and hid it because the Bible said, for she feared not the king. Let me tell you, we have a king out there, and I'm not talking about a president. I'm talking about the devil. It's out to destroy everybody and everything he can possibly destroy. And you don't need to fear him. You need to look and see what Jesus said we need to do. And so she got a plan up, and she kept that baby for three months. Then she decided she had a better plan. She couldn't keep him hid, so she took him down where Pharaoh's daughter bathed and built a little basket and made it waterproof, put the baby in there, put it right there close where she was, sent her daughter down to watch. When the baby started crying, oh, man, now when a baby cries, I don't care who you are, that does something to you. Amen? Especially at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> but, she did, and she looked over there, and she saw that baby, and her heart fell in love with it. Of course, this is all was God. And so, Marion ran over and said, you want somebody to keep the baby for you? She said, yeah, I sure do. That's very nice of you. So what happens? Takes it back home. Takes it back to its mother. And she got to keep that baby till it was about six years old. I'm, I'm here to tell you that during that six years, she probably done more to help people and do things for people than all we do in their lifetime. This woman kept, kept Moses, brought him up in the ways of the Lord, taught him about Abraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, she planted something in his heart. Now, I want to tell you something. Don't start when they're 16. Start when they're young. They understand more than you think they can understand. They can put it together better than what you think they can put it together. Egypt was like this world, an awful place to bring up a child. I said something to them out in the hallway. I, uh, you know, uh, I, I feel like overall, maybe my generation was better. We ate better anyway. But we didn't have to deal with things that this generation has to deal with. It, it, it's, it's just totally unreal to me what all they had to face, had to go through. You can't sit down and watch, eat lunch anywhere. They own the cell phones. Well, they're texting their daddy. No, they're texting that next cross street, I mean, cross the hall, I mean, a table from them. <laughs> then they go home, they get on the video. Start watching videos. My little granddaughter comes up and she gets my mother's phone. I'm going to tell you, I walk in there very often to see what's going on on the phone at 10 years old. It's tough. It's very hard. Well, most of you know, know the story. Hebrews 11, 23 and 29 tells, tells it pretty good. It said, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, 
because he saw he was a proper child, she saw that he was a proper child, they were not afraid of the king's commandment. I'm going to tell you something. That's very important. This government don't run this world. It don't run our lives. God is in charge. You understand that? I know they pass a lot of rules. They do a lot of things. And by faith, Moses, when he come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Man, what preaching. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had recompense, for he had respect under the recompense of reward. For by faith he forsook Egypt. Now this is not talking about when he killed the, the Egyptian. This is talking about when he was taking Israel out. By faith he forsook Israel, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him that was who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, lest the destroy the firstborn should be touched, should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea on dry land, with the Egyptians a saying to do so drowned. Where did he get that faith? I can tell you where he got it. He got it in those first six years of his life. He was set up to be Pharaoh of Egypt. You know the story. He went out, looking around, saw one of his brothers, been opposed by a harassed or hurt by one of the Egyptians, and he murdered him. He killed him. Now, I know the law wasn't written at that time, but killing somebody is a bad thing. And what did he do? He left in fear of his life. Sometimes our children do things that really hurt us. And sometimes they do things we don't see how they'll ever come out of it. But I'm here to tell you God's always got a burning bush somewhere for somebody. You hear that? Regardless of what they may be doing, you may give up on them. You may say, I just don't, I, I've, I've taught them right, I've done all these things and now they're doing like this, I just can't understand it. There's a, there's a burning bush coming because you taught them right. You said to them what they need to do was right. They may not have listened, but I tell you, God's got a way of changing minds. I'm so proud of that. We can do in this evil generation is plant the word. That's all we can do. And our faith and our hearts. As I said a while ago, when he entered into Pharaoh's house, which is now our education system, you'd be shocked what they teach our kids today. In my day, they would have went and drug them out, probably done something bad. For telling kids that certain things was okay the internet, the cell phones, heavily exposed of the infidels of this world and all the other evil things that Satan can possibly come up with. Like Moses, our children will have no doubt be tried of the way. 
As I said, he killed the Egyptians. Forty years he wandered. Kept somebody else's sheep. Felt like nothing. Probably thought about what he did thousands of times. The devil might have said, you know, if you hadn't done that, you'd be Pharaoh over Egypt. Well, I don't care if it's the United States or where. I don't want to be president over none of it. I just want to walk the streets of gold. Amen. Let me be a doorkeeper in the house of God. It's better than anything this world could ever possibly offer you. Let's talk about another woman named Hannah, a woman who went to the house of God and prayed that God would give her a child. Just something in a woman, at least 99.9% of them, they want a child. They want that baby. They want to hold that little thing in her arms, kiss it on the head, and feed it. Start saying, get woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, but that's not really part of it. Our oldest son, whew. He could wake up the easiest I ever seen in my life. We, we, we had a bed, two bedrooms all we had at the time. He's the first one, and we had a little wooden floor. And there's one, one little plank, if you stepped on it, it barely squeaked. I mean, Barely. And we'd take times about going and getting him, get him back to sleep, give him a bottle. And you had to be real careful because if you hit that squeak, <laughs> you heard a louder. <laughs> Start all over. But I love him. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. They're a heritage of God, a blessing. And this woman wanted this child. She, she went to the house of God and she prayed, Lord, give me a child. There's a lot of great lessons to learn from this mother. She was barren, could not have children, so she went to the house of God to pray. She prayed quietly, weeping. And the priest Eli, which was not a very good priest, thought she was drunk and he struck her across her mouth. Listen to her prayer in 1 Samuel 1, 10 and 11. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and, 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 and uh, wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but I will give unto thy handmaid a, a, a man-child, then will I give him unto the Lord. And all the days of his life there shall no razor come upon his head. Let's read on with 12 down to 18. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. He slapped her across her mouth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a pastor slapping a woman across her mouth? Now, I didn't say that you couldn't imagine that you felt like it sometimes. <laughs> but you don't do it. <laughs> Hello? But that's the way they treated women back then. I mean, it, it, it would look to me, if she went home and told her husband, he'd come back and 
slap him across the mouth a couple of times. Things were different. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away the wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaining grief have I spoken hitherto. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went away, did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Her son was born. Who was he? Who was he? Samuel. Samuel. One of the greatest leaders Israel ever had. Said, for this child I prayed, she said, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked. Therefore, also I will lend him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he, talking about Sam, worshiped the Lord there in the temple. That's where she took him to. What, what do we learn here from this mother? The first thing we learned, she knew only God could meet her need. <coughs> How many of you have prayed for children? I know some of you have. Yeah, several. Now, when, you, when they get about 15, 16, you're going to wonder why. <laughs> That's why you need to really put the Word of God in them. Amen. First of all, she knew only God could meet her need. She was a woman of prayer. She did not let other people's misunderstanding or their actions hinder her. When he smote her across the mouth, she could have got up and walked out mad, but she didn't. She had one desire, and that was a child. And what a child he was. She gave God praise and recognition for what he did for her. She did all that we can do when it comes to our sons and daughters. She gave her son back to God. She put him in the hands of God. Sometimes it's not easy to turn loose your children and give them back to God. There come a time when you have to. My oldest son, he's a Christian. He's in church now. Me and my wife used to go down and pick him up at his work, take him to work. We both worked day shift. He was a few blocks from us. We'd go down and pick him up. We did that for two weeks. I went in there one day early and asked where the guy was. He said, he don't work here. I said, what do you mean he don't work? He ain't work here in two weeks. Something wasn't right. Hello. You ever been there when something wasn't right? Well, why is, why is he not here? He's taking drugs. He drove a truck for him, and he was taking drugs. Man, I went home. First, we picked him up. 
He's standing there on the corner like he always did. You can fool mom and dad for a while, but you ain't going to fool them forever. Well, he got in the car and we talked to him about it. I went home, went down to my basement, called my best friend Larry Craig, told him what was going on, and asked him to pray. I put my face in the floor and I wept before God. I don't know how long, but a long time. And I put him in God's hands. Three weeks later, he met his wife, started going to the Church of God in Pleasant Grove, one I'd started when I was 28. Got his heart back right with God, married her, and got three kids. I'm going to tell you something. He's not perfect now. And if you want to know a little secret, neither are you. Uh, you're only perfect in your own eyes. Samuel was a great man, a great judge. But what about the New Testament? Let's go to the New Testament just a few minutes. I'm not going to try to hold you much longer. <laughs> I thought it said 15 after 12. It's 15 after 11. Well, I'll hold you a little bit longer. <laughs> Paul writes to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 4 through 7. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remember the unfringed faith that is in thee, which dwell first in thy grandmother. Grandmothers play a big part. Thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thy stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. What a wonderful scripture. Where'd that come from? Come from a grandmother and a mother. You hear me? That grandmother taught that, that daughter, and that daughter taught Timothy. Timothy was one of the greatest men of God. He supported Paul more, I think, than anybody did. Done a lot of great things. But I want to go on to the last and the best. Mary. No, not that Mary. <laughs> Jesus' mother. I think in the Greek it's Mary, M-A-R-I-E or something like that. But nevertheless, Matthew 1 and 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. God chose Mary to rear his only begotten son. An unknown a common lady, not of the king's palace, 
Let me tell you something. If you think you're high and mighty, you can just never think about God using you. But it's the lowly that he chooses. Those that don't have whatever people think they need to have to do whatever they do. God called me to preach. And you know what I said to God? When God said, I prepare yourself, I'm calling you to preach. You know what I said to him? I said, God, I can't even stand up and testify. We used to have testimony services. We don't have many people with testimonies now. But we used to have testimony services, and I'd, I'd get it in my head just exactly what I was going to say. I had about 20 words. And about the fifth word, it just all go, not sit down and embarrassed and red-faced. And... Now you can't shut me up. <laughs> Hello? What a great responsibility that was placed upon her by God. But she didn't look at it like a responsibility. She looked at it as an honor. Honor to bring the Son of God into this world. I don't care who your child is. I don't care what he or she looks like. I don't care how smart or how dumb or whatever. I don't. That's your child. That's a gift of God. You love it. It may not be the smartest. I never was the smartest. In fact, I was the dumbest, if you don't know the truth. But my mother loved me. I didn't have but one person in, near me that was dumber than me, and that was my brother. <laughs> and she loved us both. What would we do without a mother's love? What would this world be like without having a mother that'll hold a child when it's sick all night long, trying to make it get well, praying for it? What would this world be like? It'd be a terrible, terrible, terrible place. Worse than it is now. God is so good. When she found out she was expecting a child, she magnified the Lord. Luke 1, 46 and 50. Through 50. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of, of his handmaid. You hear what she said? The lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Can you imagine how she felt when she had that child? You know, a lot of times we have a lot of ideas about things. I've seen parents who's going to make their child be what they were, you know, some job classification or something somewhere. Your best idea is let God make that child what you want it to be or what he wants it to, to be. Her first thought, she thought, the king of Israel. She was like the disciples, I'm going to tell you. They thought he was come to set up a kingdom on this earth, to rule and reign. 
for a great period of time, almost a whole three years, those apostles thought that he was ready to take over and do away with the Roman government and set up a government, but that wasn't God's plan. And there's no doubt in my mind, Mary had this same idea. The Son of God, they've heard it, and priests have talked about it, setting up his kingdom. Eight days later, she went to have the child circumcised. And Simeon, the priest, said to her, listen to what he said to her. He said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of all thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him. They were so proud. She had so many things in her mind. And Simeon said, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for a fall and a rising again in many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It all changed. She understood it's not going to be a kingdom. There's something going to happen. And we know what it was. They nailed him to a cross. The Son of God, who had healed thousands upon thousands, raised the dead, opened blinded eyes. I'm going to tell you something. That's what the law would do to you. You know, I've belonged to two different organizations, and I won't say which one it is. But if a preacher messes up and does wrong, they throw him out. But if somebody in church messes up and does wrong, they, they, soak, they just let it go. I mean, they correct it, but. And I know a pastor ought to be, have a higher standard. But we serve the same God. And when people mess up, you need to forgive them. You need to let the love of God be in your heart and you forgive them and give them another chance. Give them another time. Give them another opportunity. That's what God's all about. That's everything he's about. He did not come into this world to condemn the world, but he came into this world that this world might have life and have it more abundantly. It took me a while as a Christian to realize that none of us are perfect, especially me. My wife will tell you I'm not perfect. And she gets her way about everything, but I'm still not perfect. None of us are. Are we? If you're perfect, raise your hand. 
I'm going to do what I've done a hundred times. How many of you would like to stand and tell your worst sin since you've been saved? I've never got, a, I've never got one take on that. Then who are we to judge others? God didn't bring us into this world, make us Christians to condemn, but to carry on what God wanted us to be. This is what happened when she stood before the cross. Can you imagine the difficulty knowing that the Son of God, her Son, was hanging on a cross, lied upon. The one perfect man, they were crucifying him. I started to preach a sermon on this last page and let that other go, but something I want to bring out to you. She was an unusual mother. When she heard, saw and heard these great things from him, things he were doing, or about things about, she pondered these things in her heart. She never disclosed what she knew from the very beginning. Now, that's a woman. That's a woman's woman who won't talk. <laughs> Hello? You know what I'm talking about. You get something, you want to tell somebody. The phone starts ringing. But she didn't. She never disclosed who he was until God disclosed who Jesus, the Son of God, was. I believe she treated her other two sons and daughters just as well as she treated Jesus. Mary was highly favored, not only from the beginning of the life of Christ, but also at the end of his life. John 19, 26 through 30. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he said unto the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own house. Why did he do that? You ever read that one? She had at least two more sons. Jude was one of them. Another one was named James. That's how I can understand she had at least three daughters. Why did he do that? I'll tell you why. Love. His brothers didn't even believe at that time that he was the Christ. Doesn't say too much about the daughters. But John was his disciple, John the Beloved. And he wanted his mother, who loved people, to be in a house of love. And you know, that's what we should want in our houses, is a house of love. 
Love worketh no ill. I was going to spend about 45 minutes and talk to you about love. But you know, you either want it or you don't. You either have it or you don't want it. But love is an important thing. What is love? Huh? Can anybody tell me what is love? Maybe I said, like, who is love? God is love. Would you put up with yourself if you was the perfect God? No. But you know what he says to us? Love God first. Love our neighbors. And love our enemies. And the last thing Jesus did on the cross, in my opinion, was he expressed this very one thing, that he wanted his mother and all of us to be in a house of love. Is your house a house of love today? Do you come in hunting something wrong? Or do you come in thanking your wife, thanking that mother for taking care of those kids? Stand with me, if you will. Jesus, everything I preach to you about today leads to one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament. He's from Genesis through Revelation. He is our Savior, and He loves us, and He cares for us. We need to love one another. Listen to me. I hear people say, well, this is what's wrong with the church, or that's what's wrong with the church, and I'm not talking about particular this one. But I tell you what's wrong with churches. They don't have the love for each other they should have. Because love forgives. Love does good for evil. Then they'll say amen. You say, okay, got one. I said, love does good for evil. How do you win sinners? who are evil with love. The first sermon I ever preached, God gave me and I argued with God about it. And I said, God, every child in this church knows this scripture. After 50 something years, I found out very few know it, really know it. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love. It's that healing portion that Jesus expressed on the cross to his mother. And not only to his mother, to all of us.